You're listening to the Arise Bible Academy podcast. In this week's lesson, Faith and Words, Philip Edwards will be examining the need for faith to be healed and the power contained in God's Word. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching and please remember to head on over to ariseministry.org.uk for all the latest news and to see the other ministries we have to offer. You can also follow us on social media at Arise Ministry UK. And now, over to Philip Edwards for today's teaching. We're going to deal with the whole topic of uh, having to have faith to be healed. Now, I want to be really sensitive because I know there has been some criticism in the past uh, in dealing with this with healing where, where people have said well are you saying because I haven't got enough faith is the reason why I haven't got healed now I don't want to put that impression across for one moment I don't want to do that because the truth is we to receive anything from the Lord we need faith not just healing but we need faith we approach God all the time with faith and so faith is important and so in this whole process of being healed or healing others faith is an important thing when Jesus was on the earth uh, people came to him with faith they approached him with faith and many times he commented on their faith we see that he always honored faith he would say it's your faith that has healed you it's through faith that this has happened to you so he always gave honor to that last week in our study we looked at a, a man who was suffering from leprosy it was found in Matthew uh, the eighth chapter so we're moving on from there now and we're going to look at several other examples of of healing in God's Word it moves on to a story about this uh, Roman centurion who comes to Jesus not for healing for himself but for his servant and he asks him to to come and, and, and heal him so Jesus offers uh, to come to his house and to heal the man but the centurion gives a, a very interesting response to Jesus when he says he'll come I'll read it to you it's in Matthew uh, 8 and verse 8 he said Lord I do not deserve to have you come under my roof but just say the word and my servant will be healed now this is amazing the response that he gets and the insight that this man has because remember he's not a Jew he's not a covenant child of God he he hasn't followed or he, he has not responded in any way to God he's he's a Gentile he's an outsider he, he doesn't come into what the blessings of God has but but Jesus says a most amazing thing to him he tells him that he's never seen such astonishing great faith in the whole of Israel when this man comes and asks him to, to heal his servant but then he says listen you don't have to come and, and heal him you simply have to speak a word 
He had not seen such faith, it says. Even amongst his own chosen disciples, he had not seen as much faith as he saw or heard coming from the man that day. As I say, he was a Gentile, and yet he was able to express faith in Jesus Christ in this amazing way. This account is vital to understanding about healing and about faith. It reveals something that's very important to us. It's the importance of the authoritative word. The word of God, the scriptures that you hold in your hand, is God's word and it's authoritative. And it's somehow this uh, Gentile soldier, he knew how authoritative the word was. He knew how authority or authoritative the words that came from Jesus's mouth were and the effects that they had. I'd ask you the question, how authoritative is the word of God in your life? Yet yeah, we honor it, we love it, we know it to be the word of God, but when it speaks to you and it says something to you, do you have to balance it and weigh it to decide whether you're going to do what it says, or do you just accept that you have to do what it says? It has that authority over your life. See, this is what the centurion saw in Jesus. He saw he had such authority that somehow he had a, a power that was made available to him from God that he could just speak and whatever he said would come to pass. The centurion then continues in this dialogue he explains it a little bit. He says like, like this, For I myself, I am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and to that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished. He was astonished at the insight that this uh, Gentile centurion had that other people didn't appreciate or see or understand about the things that Jesus said or the fact that he said anything at all. This centurion seemed to understand the authority of the spoken word. Jesus simply had to say something and it would happen. He knew it would happen. See, if we hold God's word very dear to us and we realize this is Christ speaking, whatever Christ has said, we should do it. We should do it immediately. We should submit ourselves to the authority of his word. He goes on to explain, and I just read that verse there, as an officer, if he gave a word of a, uh, an order uh, to his subordinates, they would follow it to the letter. Even if it cost them their lives, they would follow his orders to the letter. They would not question it. 
And he knew this because he said he was a man under authority. And if those above him said something to him, gave him an order, he would follow it. Even if it meant for him certain death, he would follow it. He understood how authoritative those above him were. And so when he saw what Jesus could do, he knew that he was acting under the authority of God, that it was God who was operating through him. He could see that Jesus could only exercise such authority because he was under authority. He saw something, this man, that nobody else saw. He said he had great faith. You say, well, I would like great faith. So we can be encouraged because this man wasn't particularly a religious man. He knew nothing about God or the history of God or the people of God or he never went to the worship or the temple or anything. But Jesus said he had great faith. Great faith then, I assume, as I read this, it means that he was totally submitted, totally submitted to those in authority. So if we want great faith, we must be totally submitted to the one who has authority over us. Now it says that Christ has all authority. So it's important if we want great faith, that we simply submit to the words of Jesus in everything in our lives. Jesus is under his Father's authority and we are under Christ's authority. So what Christ tells us to do, we do. We have God as the head. Under God it says there is Christ and under Christ is man. And so as we submit to that authority, we are showing that we have great faith. Jesus was totally committed to his Father. He only did what his Father asked him to do, or told him to do, or directed him to do. This truth apparently wasn't obvious to anybody else. Or if it was, they wouldn't acknowledge it. But this centurion did. Only operating under God's authority could Jesus simply speak words and people were healed. He never, he never thought of his own words or said his own words. We're going to develop this whole idea this evening and we're going to need the Holy Spirit to help us to understand this, to, to grasp hold of this. But the words that he spoke were words that came from God. Jesus said to the centurion in Matthew 8 and 13, he said, go and it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. Jesus used one word. He just used the word go. Go. It's interesting. I looked that up once in a, a concordance. There's, it's, more, it's used more times than any other word in the Bible. Go. 
it's it's amazing you think i can't believe that but but you look it up yourself it's just used thousands and thousands and thousands of times and we'll see many times when he heals people he simply uses the word the instruction go he never prayed to his father for his father to heal them he never said anything long-winded and prayers we're good at it aren't we we think if we pray a bit longer for the sick sometimes we might just hit the right words and we'll say the right thing well jesus gives us an example he doesn't bother he just says go go because he's acting under an authority that is a placed upon him he knows it's not about words it's about the authority he has because he is submitted to the father god will do things for us because we believe and submission to the authority of god to god's word is of utmost importance i was asked a question last week why don't we see healings today like we read about or you know these testimonies or in other places i think this is an answer or part of the answer because the church perhaps is not submitting to the authority of god's word as it should completely completely submitted to him as this centurion was continuing in matthew 8 later that day uh, going down to matthew 8 16 now it says many who were demon possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word just a word and he healed the sick presumably with a word i wonder what that word was i wonder if it was just go just go go sickness go demons go he he operated with an authority that came from god himself because he was totally committed and submitted to the father matthew makes it clear that these healings were taking place to fulfill the prophecy from isaiah demonstrated that he clearly understood something every demonic power and sickness was defeated by jesus on the cross we know that but you say hang on jesus hadn't died he hadn't gone to the cross listen what it says in the next verse in matthew 8 and 17 it says what he did this was fulfilled this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet isaiah he took up our infirmities and he and he i'm sorry and he carried our diseases so there's jesus healing and delivering people with a word and then matthew says well he did this to fulfill what isaiah said that he would go to the cross and he would take away our infirmities and sicknesses so we would say well how can this be possible because he hasn't gone to the cross yet matthew understood that part of the messiah coming his call was to overcome the devil and to overcome sickness and disease 
So disease never touched Jesus. Sickness never touched him. The demonic couldn't get close enough to him. He came, I believe, to demonstrate how God's people should live free of sickness, free of disease, free of the demonic. Jesus was manifesting that to the people. Now, he was only a few years living like that amongst uh, the people when he stepped into his ministry. He was never sick growing up as, as a boy or anything. Sickness, uh, it, it couldn't touch him because of his submitted life to his father. But what he did do those those few years, what he did in a nation, when he went to the cross, as Isaiah tells us, it would be for all people, for all nations, at all times. So the cross opened up for the world what had previously been God's desire for the nation of Israel. This means that today, Jesus can heal, as he did when he was here, simply with a word. He simply has to speak with authority and sicknesses have to go. He only has to or, uh, issue the order and a person can be immediately healed. He speaks a word, just a word, and a person is immediately healed. Now, when he sent the twelve out to preach the gospel, he gave them authority to issue such orders in the same way that he simply spoke a word because he was under authority. The disciples now put themselves under the authority of Christ and he, he, he delegated to them the ability, the authority, to do what he was doing. It says this in Matthew 10 and verse 1. He called the twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. I presume with a word in the same way that he did it, with a word. We know the 70 or the 72, depending on which Bible you read, when they returned to Jesus, they said, even the demons are subject to us. We simply spoke a word and they left people's bodies. And they were, they were overjoyed about the whole process that, that such authority had been delegated, not just to the 12, but to all of those uh, disciples, the 70, the broader number. So what Jesus himself did he gave authority to the disciples to do in his name on his behalf. And that same authority has been given to believers today. To the believers who submit to his authority, he has given authority. That's what the centurion was driving at when he, that, that whole passage is recorded for us. And of course, we know in Mark's Gospel, it says, these signs will follow them who believe. So it always takes the element of faith for anything to happen with God. However, we need to understand that Jesus never acted 
independently of his father. See, if you're under authority, you can never act independently. You can only act under the authority of the one who is above you. He said, even though he is the word of God that came to live amongst us, he spoke no word of his own, only those given to him by his father. He did nothing of himself. He initiated nothing. He did only what he saw his father doing. As we submit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ as the authority over us, we will do what we see him doing. But there has to be that submission to him. The father then was acting through his son in the works Jesus was performing. He did nothing of himself. So everything you see Jesus doing, it was the Father working through him. He was submitted totally to the will of the Father, not just now and again, but for every moment of his life, he was totally submitted to the will of the Father. He never thought for himself. Those who are under authority don't think for themselves. That's what the centurion was saying. He's saying, listen, if I give an order to my soldiers, they don't think for themselves. They do exactly what I tell them to do. And if I'm given an order from those in authority over me, I don't think for myself. I simply do what he tells me to do. So we've got to somehow, if we're going to receive healing and be involved in this whole ministry of healing, we have to grapple with this thing of being under authority, letting, letting Jesus' authority rule our lives completely. Every moment of every day, we can't step aside from it. We're like a soldier. We've enlisted for life. And it's there every day. We can't take our uniform off. We're submitted to him who is in authority. Jesus was acting constantly in the name of his Father on his behalf. So the will of the Father, we looked at this last week, his nature was to heal. And so this came through to Jesus in his ministry. When Jesus, we say, was acting under authority, he didn't have to use a formula for healing, and neither should we. Sometimes we think if we say the right words or say them in the right order or use the right things, that somehow we'll hit on the right formula and it'll work, or maybe, Lord, I didn't say that properly, or I didn't, I didn't pray in the right way. It's got nothing to do with that. It's to do with the authority of being submitted to the one who is above us. You can say what you like. I wouldn't bother saying anything except go. Just say go. Just follow Jesus and say go. Uh, if we're in that place of submission, it should go. Uh, the sickness should go. The demon should go. It should just go. It's about being under authority, which is so vital in all of these things. He never said things like, I heal you in the name of my Father. He never ever said anything like that at all. No such thing. But to act in the name of the Father is to act on his behalf 
with his authority. Similarly, we're able to act in the name of Jesus with his authority, on his behalf. This means that he initiates and we obey. We have said we would leave everything and follow him, totally committed 100% to whatever he tells us to do. If that's the case, then we can exercise authority, his authority, because he's given it to us. We don't have to think, I wonder what Jesus would do. We know what he would do because he knew what his father would do. He healed all that were sick and we act then under his authority. We would do the same because we are submitted to him. This helps us to see that submission to the authority or the lordship of Jesus is an essential element in faith. Without submission to Christ, his word, his orders, as it were, there is no faith. There is no faith without submission to his authority. And it's not just the person who's praying. If you're a Christian who is seeking health, then you must be submitted completely to his authority. And likewise, the people who are praying in authority, they too must be submitted to the authority of Christ in their lives. We see these principles being worked out in a succession of people who come with a very humble spirit in submission to Jesus to be healed. We'll look at a, a number of them now. They came to Jesus, we'll see these people came with three things in their lives. They came with faith. Every one of them came with faith. If we go forward to be healed, or we ask the Lord to heal us, or we ask somebody to heal us, to pray for us to be healed, we must, we must go in faith. Without faith, nothing will happen. It won't happen because God responds to faith. He always responds to faith. They, must, they always came, these people will see, they came with a humility. It was it's not as though it was their right to be healed. They humbled themselves before the Lord. They knew they didn't deserve healing. They didn't deserve anything. None of us deserve anything from the Lord. We come with humility to receive from him. And the third thing we need is we need an expectation. We, we need to come expecting that God is going to do what he, he said he does. What, he, what we see is the nature of the Father, which is to heal. So we come with faith. We come with a humility and we come with an expectation. Let's have a look at some examples now that will help us understand this. Let's look at blind Bartimaeus, first of all. Most of you probably know the story. He's by the side of the road and Jesus is passing by and he cries out. Do you notice what he cries out? He says, son of David, have mercy on me. Mercy. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
he recognized that he did not deserve to be healed and nor do you nor do i we don't deserve it we come to god and we want him to show us mercy now i would believe that this man was a jew he was part of the covenant family of god but even in that condition he still said have mercy on me his healing would be the work of god's mercy on him when jesus asked him in mark 10 and 51 he said what do you want me to do for you i always thought that was a strange question it was a bit obvious but see he wanted to know what the man expected and he said quite clearly um, what do you want me to do for you Bartimaeus us and he said I, I want to see I want to see that's my expectation I've come to you I've submitted to you I come humbly to you and I expect to see uh, I wonder with when you pray for people you may ask the question what do you expect what do you expect be truthful and if they say oh i don't know well you think well perhaps nothing's gonna happen here maybe ask them some questions to work out if there's any faith in operation here if there's any humility in their lives because if these things aren't present probably not a fat lot's gonna happen so we've got to get it right Bartimaeus asked for the return of his sight I want to see I'm expecting to see and remember when they tried to silence him at the side of the road he said I'm having none of this and he pushed his way as it were I'm expecting this man to do something and what did Jesus say to him we got it again there he said go he just said go said Jesus your faith has healed you your expectation has healed you your humility has healed you your faith has healed you it says immediately he received his sight and followed jesus along the road go that's all jesus said to him again in mark 10 and 52 he said go here again jesus emphasizes that the blind man's faith in Jesus has resulted in his healing we must have faith an expectation a humility to know that Jesus simply has to give the word and his word has power and authority in it he didn't use any um, I don't know religious terminology when when he spoke to Jesus he didn't say well I really believe that you can do this I I really do I've got faith in you I know he didn't say any of those things he simply by coming and expecting that was his demonstration of faith his expectation was showing Jesus that he did have faith he expected to get his sight back that day it seems there can be a certain determination a certain desperation even about faith we should be desperate that God would manifest his power and his glory in our lives by healing us I wonder sometimes if we're that desperate 
for God to do things. I know in nations where people can't get perhaps medical help and assistance, maybe they're more desperate. Maybe they know that unless God does something, there's nothing for them. They're going to die. And yet we have been cushioned, as it were, from, from that by all the fantastic things that we enjoy in this country. But perhaps it's robbed us of our ability to come with desperation and faith to a holy God. The second example we have here is the Syrophoenician woman. She too was a Gentile like the centurion. She was certainly desperate when she came to Jesus. Remember the disciples uh, tried to push her away and said, no, we're resting, uh, go, but, but she, she pestered them. She pestered them until she had the audience with Jesus. She said, I have a daughter at home, a tiny girl who is, is demonized, and I want you to free her. It says that she fell at his feet and she begged him. You see, just like blind Bartimaeus, he came crying out for mercy. She fell at his feet and she begged him to deliver her daughter. At first, it appears that Jesus was reluctant. Then when she acknowledges that Jesus Christ is her Lord, he then heals her. Jesus told her to, and it says this word again, he told her to go. He said, go back to your daughter and you'll find her delivered. He didn't pray. He just spoke words of authority over her. Go back. Go back and you'll find she's delivered. Again, we see the humble approach uh, that people have in, in coming to Jesus. We see her determination. We see her faith and we see her expectation that Jesus will do something. Another example we have, and I've just got this couple here, uh, the example of Jairus's daughter. Remember, she was sick, and so Jairus, who was a synagogue ruler, he approached Jesus. Now, it says he approached him humbly. He approached him with faith. He said, listen, if you come home with me and you touch my daughter, I know that you will heal her. He came with an expectation and with faith. It says this in Luke 8 and 41, 42. It says, Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet. You see the humility again, the begging, the pleading for Jesus to do something. It said, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Come, Put your hands on her, he said. If we think back about these different people who came uh, to receive healing, we see that uh, Jesus responded to the people's faith. Always. Remember the centurion. He said, listen, you don't have to come. You just have to speak the word. He saw something more than this man saw, and this was a synagogue ruler. The synagogue ruler, he comes with a faith that says, if you come and touch, 
then something miraculous would happen. So he met them wherever their level of faith was. He says to the centurion, fine, I won't come to your house. Uh, go and, and go and go home and you'll find your, your servant healed. He says to this man, to Jairus, I'll come with you to your house then. If that's what you want me to do, if that's the way that your level of faith is working. So he sets on his way. As he was going, we know that a woman who was uh, suffering, she came and she had another expression of faith because she came merely to touch hold of his coat. She pressed through the crowd to touch something of his, knowing that if she could do that, she would be healed. She came in faith. It says in Mark 5, 28 and 29, she thought... If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Jesus knew that the power had gone out of him because he had been touched not by a hand, but by a person who had faith. It was her faith that brought the healing power of God into her body. Remember, Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? Who was it who was specifically? And of course, they said, well, uh, this is ridiculous. Everyone's jostling around you. What do you mean, who touched me? But he knew he was touched by a demand of faith. He knew it. He understood that. It says, the woman fell at his feet again, she came humbly, you see. There was a humility about this woman. Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. He said, Go again, go in peace, and be freed from your suffering. So she came in a, a sense of humility. She came desperate. She came with faith. She came with an expectation. We should be looking for these things. If we're going to pray for the sick, if, he, if in our own experience we're looking for healing, we need to come with a humility, with a desperation, with a faith, a faith that will lay hold of Jesus Christ. Then it goes on to say then in Mark 5 and 36, uh, regarding now... Uh, uh, Jairus who's come uh, you know to, to, for Jesus to come to his house and of course a servant has come meanwhile to Jairus and said don't trouble the master anymore because your daughter has died and, and immediately I, I you know I, I preached on this a few times and I could see this man's face I could see the expectation that he had got hold of Jesus and there was hope now in him in his face and when he hears this news i can see all the blood draining from this man's face i can see him almost freezing when he's heard that his daughter is dead he thinks all hope is gone there's no reason now to humbly approach to plead to beg to have faith but jesus turns to him it says this in 5 and 36 ignoring what they said jesus told the synagogue ruler don't be afraid 
just believe just keep having faith you see sometimes when when it, all hope is lost and you think what's the point no stay there stay there with the Lord because with the Lord it's never lost you don't know what God can redeem what he can do Jesus was saying to him persist in your faith only believe just just believe simply believe do not believe the circumstances believe what you were believing before that I could change the circumstances because faith in Jesus can always change the circumstances we know that this Jesus that we read about in Scripture Jesus was the same yesterday he's the same today and he is the same forever he has not lost any of his power to heal he hasn't lost his desire to heal his willingness to heal those who come to him in humility with faith in his mercy expecting to receive from him will receive from him faith then faith is vital in this whole process no we never say to people oh the reason that you never got healed is because you didn't have enough faith no you don't say that you never say that to anyone everything you say to people is only to build their faith to encourage their faith but listen it is important Jesus made it very clear that we will have to exercise faith in him for him to give us anything or do anything in our lives I want to do this last lesson now today uh, Jesus heals today through his word his word this might get a little bit mysterious and technical uh, stay with me uh, sometimes we haven't got sufficient words or oh, well at least I haven't got sufficient words to to explain um, everything here somehow our heart grasps something that our head can't quite grasp and oh quite a few things have happened to me like that I sort of get it but I don't get it and if you want me to explain it I can't but I, somehow I know something to be a truth anyway uh, we'll, we'll hit this in a minute you know we might think I wish Jesus was around today uh, because it would have been a lot easier to simply go to him and get healing well I don't know if it would have been that easy or that simple you would still have had to gone with him with humility and with faith just like these people they just didn't bowl up and get it they, they had to come with humility and faith to receive with an expectation so uh, but we're told it's to our advantage that Jesus has gone if Jesus was here and he was still on the earth we he could only heal in one place at a time we would have to go to him wherever he was because now he's ascended and he's on the throne in glory he has access to all people at all times so you have access to Jesus 24 hours a day today at any time you have been given free access to go into his presence to receive 
what he wants to give you which is healing and health in your body how do we access Jesus then how do we receive from him today there's three main ways in scripture we can access Jesus through his word simply through the word of God that we know that the word of God is living it isn't simply a book it isn't words on a page it's the word of God it's living it's active it's full of life and truth secondly we approach him in prayer we can pray to him talk to him in prayer and thirdly we approach him through the ministry of the church we'll be looking at this later in 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 the course before we finish it we'll spend though the remainder of this lesson um, focusing on the word of God the word of God when you hold your Bible you're holding holding something very precious you're holding something that's dynamic and powerful you're holding something that has the potential to do tremendous things it's a powerful book I want to direct you to our key scripture for this study it'll help us understand that the healing flows from God from God's Word is contained in his word so there is healing that flows from God from his word from the Bible that you have if you turn to Proverbs 4 20 and 22 if you have your notes there or yeah uh, jot that down this is what it says it says my son pay attention to what I say listen carefully to my words I love the way the Hebrew they write things like that they, they say it once and say it again it's it's like the parallel ways that they talk and do poetry and speak and all that sort of stuff so it's lovely though but it really emphasizes pay attention to what I say and listen carefully to my words do not let them out of your sight and keep them within your heart this is vital sometimes the Word of God gets as far as this but it doesn't get into here in our heads that's where it starts we read it we listen to it but listen the Word of God has to somehow percolate down into our hearts so it dwells within us and he says this do not let them out of your sight keep looking at the Word of God and keep them within your heart don't let the enemy steal the word away from you make sure it remains in your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to the man's whole body so the Word of God has life in it it has the life of God in it and if you find this life it can bring health to the man's whole body God wants us to live in health that's God's plan God's Word then contains God's life it also contains health to the man's whole body 
See, we have to come and submit ourselves, as I was saying previously, to the authority of God's word. In his word is health, health to the whole body. In his word, his life. So his word is vital, it's important. Now, if we learn how to receive his life and health, if we learn how to receive that, they will prevent us from becoming sick. That's God's plan, that his people don't get sick. His word in us is life and health to the whole body. It's life and health to the whole body. Also, it provides healing if we are attacked by sickness. Now, whether it comes naturally or is a demonic attack, whichever way sickness comes, the Word of God is life and health to the man's body. It either keep him healthy or if he becomes sick, it could cause him to become well again. However, it is necessary for God's Word to be transferred from the Bible into our hearts so that we believe from the heart what it says. How you get this into your heart, well, I'll give you some clues to this towards the end. But the Word of God must live in our hearts. Not simply that we know the verses of Scripture, that's where we start, but the Word must come and settle inside of our hearts. God spoke creation into being. He spoke it. Now, this is where it might get a bit mysterious, so just hang on in there with me. Okay. Um, the word that went forth from the mouth of God was Jesus. <laughs> you see, it's a bit weird. Uh, yeah, were they words that come out of his mouth? And how were those words Jesus? What does that mean? Think of your words. Think of you, and then think of all the words that you say. And separate you from all your words. And then with all the words that you've spoken, put a body on those words. Put, put a body on it. And, and what do you get? Do you get you? Do you get you or something different from you? The words that you speak, are they really you? Or are they different from you? You see, I'm sorry I'm getting a bit mystical about this, but, but, but think, think about it a little bit. Think about that. Now, God speaks. I've separated what God says from God, and now I've clothed God's words with a body. And you know who I get? I get Jesus. I get Jesus. So Jesus was always the words that he spoke. Jesus was the word, and he became flesh and dwelt amongst us.
So the words that come from the mouth of God, if you clothe them so they can be manifested, you will see Jesus. And it says that God's words are light and life. Jesus is the manifestation of God's word and he is God's light and he is God's life. So when Jesus came to earth and stepped into his ministry, he was a manifestation of God's words. That's why he says, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I'm so uh, submitted to the authority of the Father, I only do what he says. He could, he could only do that because he was just the manifestation of the words of God. It says in John 1, 3 and 4, through him all things were made. That's through Christ all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of men. I hope this helps. Sometimes when you explain something it complicates it more because we don't all think the same. So I'm hoping this will help. So God, God thinks. He doesn't say anything. He simply thinks. But to create, he has to speak. So when he created the world, he said, let there be. So in his speaking, that was Christ. Because Christ was all the words of God. So God thought... And to create, he spoke. His speaking was Jesus. And in Jesus was God's light and life. Now, you're either with me or you've lost me uh, a little while ago. Uh, I trust you're with me on this one. And if you're not, stay on. Uh, stay on board with me. It's not surprising, therefore when the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us the great things happened when he spoke oh, are we getting a clearer picture now so we get jesus who is the word of god made flesh jesus has got the heart and mind and is acting in submission to the authority of his father which the centurion saw clearly so jesus simply speaks and it's god speaking because he only speaks the word of god sometimes i think and i'm in, i'm in this with you we speak a load of rubbish you know uh, I'm, I'm sorry I'm not insulting you please I don't think any of you have spoken rubbish to me I'm talking about myself Jesus never spoke rubbish <laughs> I, it's, every word that he said was a manifestation of the light and life of God because he was the word made flesh 
Now, I know it's getting a bit mysterious now, but hang on in there. You see, everything he said was a manifestation of God's thoughts. I do nothing, he said, of my own. I simply do what the Father has asked me to do. He operates through me. I'm simply the Word of God, the words of God. As I move around on this earth, I am the Word of God speaking. So great things happened when he spoke. The sick were healed. The blind received their sight. The dead were raised. Why? Because he was God speaking. Jesus simply spoke words of command and release because he was the voice, the word of God. He would say, get up and walk. And lame people jumped to their feet and walked. He would say, be opened. And eyes, blind eyes would open and deaf ears would open. He would simply say, be opened. He would say to others, your faith has healed you. And it was finished. It was done. He never prayed or, or said anything like that. He simply spoke the mind and the will of the Father. He would simply say to demons, go. And they knew exactly what they had to do. They had to go. I know the, the gathering demoniac, he was a bit stubborn. Okay, but they went in the end. He just said, go. And they had to go. They had to leave. Jesus said himself, he said, my words are spirit and life. Not some of them. Every word that comes out of my mouth, Jesus said, is spirit and life because it is God operating through me. It's true in the Old Testament that everything we read in the Old Testament, everything the prophet said was the word of God. Everything in the New Testament that Jesus said was the breathed word of God. Aren't we told that? The scripture is the breathed word of God. God speaking. In that word, his light and there is life. Jesus. Jesus didn't start speaking when he came to earth. He was already speaking in heaven. He was speaking at creation. He was speaking all through history. He was the very word of God. The words that proceeded from the mouth of God. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4 and 6, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness. Christ is the light of the world. Let him shine. Let him shine. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. God has spoken through his Son, who is the Word of God, and that Word has, has spoken into our hearts. And as it came into us and we put faith in that Word, life came to us, new life, life eternal. It came, it was spoken into us, 
the words were spoken into us and we became living god living his word living within us notice that god has taken the initiative and made his light to shine in the hearts of those who believe in him to give them the revelation of truth you believe in jesus because the word has been spoken into your heart and you have been born again born again by the word of god that living and incorruptible seed the word of god he wants to it says in this verse he wants to reveal his glory in our lives hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of christ so he wants this this word that's spoken into us to have such an effect that we start to glorify god in our lives it says in 2 corinthians 4 and 7 we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from god inside you is the power of god is the light and the life of god the word of god living with inside you this is the power in you as a believer in jesus and the lord wants to see the power in you released it is though um, you have within you a treasure you're like an old clay pot nothing nothing very attractive about an old clay pot uh, don't kid yourself you can smart yourself up a little bit but you are an old clay pot like me but inside of you see i know what's on the inside of you there is the all the treasuries of god there is the light and life of god living on the inside of you that's what makes you such a wonderful person that's what makes me want to be with you that's what makes me want to worship with you because i know what's on the inside of you sometimes you make it very difficult to let it come out but never mind i know it's in there and i'm going to stick with you and it's going to come through and and you stick with me because you'll see more of it in me as well as it as it comes through the cracks you know as the pot cracks and then the, the the beauty just starts to break through the problem is it's so easy to concentrate on the jar pot the pot of clay instead of the treasure that's within especially when the jar is in need of healing and repairing so we focus on the old pot no don't look at the pot don't look at the brokenness of the pot look at what's on the inside the word of god the word of god christ himself christ has entered into us it says in 2 corinthians 4 and 13 it is written i believe therefore i have spoken this is paul now he says listen what i know what i have faith for what i believe is what i'm going to speak i'm not going to speak about anything else i'm not going to speak about the pot because that's a state i understand that i'm going to speak about what's inside the pot i'm going to speak about those things with that same spirit of faith we also believe and therefore speak 
Now, if God's life and power is in his word, it does not matter who speaks the words. If his life and power are in the words, it doesn't matter who speaks the words. What old pot speaks the words, it doesn't matter. You see, the word, the life and power is inside you. So it's about the words that come out that are important. The power is not in the mouth. Isn't it funny? We look to people to heal us. We look to pots and we go to the pot and we say, pot, we know you're a special pot. Can you do something for me? Because I'm not too bright. No, it's nothing to do with the pot. It's about what's inside the pot. So the, it's, it's, it's not the mouth that's important. It's the words that are important. It's, it's what's said. And we can speak God's words of life and health over our own lives. Before we start trying to heal anyone else, we should perhaps walk in health ourselves. We'll start with ourselves. We can always practice and we'll find that as we walk in health, we'll find that healing will flow. Jesus said in Luke 6 and 45, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's not a matter of learning faith formulas and repeating them. The words we speak over our lives need to come from our heart. They need to be the word of God that is implanted within us. Those are the words that we speak. There is no point in saying one thing when we pray than the very opposite when we have a conversation. No, no. If you pray in faith, speaking faith, why would you do anything different? If you say, Lord, I'm expecting you to heal me, you can say to other people, oh, how are you feeling? Well, I'm expecting my healing to appear because that's what you prayed. You prayed in faith with an expectation. You don't have to lie. You don't have to say you're well when you're sick. That's nonsense. But you say, listen, this old pot's going to get sorted out soon because I come expectantly to the Lord and, and I'm standing on his word. I'm speaking his word. I'm believing his word. You have to ask your question, which you believe? Do you believe your prayers or your conversation? If there is faith in the heart, there will be a, a consistency about what is said, whether in prayer or conversation. The word spoken will be an expression of the thoughts of the heart. Like Paul says, as I think and speak, so I am. This is why the verse quoted from Proverbs is so important. Can I remind you of that verse that we started with? It says, my son, pay attention to what I say and listen carefully to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to the man's whole body. It is, it is wise to store up the words of God's truth and life within us. We should know many verses related to health and wholeness and healing. 
so and and to other situations financial needs or pressures or whatever needs arise in our life we should have the word of god stored in our heart and as a, a need arises we already have the resources within us to meet that need the need is not met from outside primarily it's met from inside by having god's word stored in our heart the word of god says the shield of faith which is the word of god is already in place there's no when the attack comes it's too late to go get your armor on it's too late you should have your armor on all of the time the shield of faith needs to be in place that shield is able to quench it says all the fiery darts of the evil one including sickness and disease the word of god can combat it by building a deposit of god's word in our hearts we're able to walk in the health that god desires for us to resist sickness and when the sickness comes the word of god will repel it so it must be possible to take hold of his word and through them receive the spirit of life and healing that are contained in those words words are to be spoken you must speak out the word of god and you can learn to speak god's word of healing over your own life and over the lives of others who are sick now here is a simple way i said we'll turn to a practical way of doing this firstly you must receive god's words receive all the words you can regarding healing if it's healing that we're talking about and that's what we're discussing remember the words spoken if we're going to speak out those words we're not simply reading them off a piece of paper we need to speak them from our heart we need to believe them as a reality and truth we need to have faith in those words receive the word receive it into our heart then as we receive the word we receive life and healing and the power of god within us now god has supplied us with the scriptures uh, for a long time christians didn't have the scriptures we're very fortunate we have so many uh editions of the scriptures that we are without excuse not like many others in the world it's a it's an amazing resource to the word of life you can take any relevant scripture and let god speak to you through it find what your need is find the scriptures that meet the need and start to sit quietly reading them repeating them let the words let the verses of scripture you've chosen slowly read them a number of times until you start to feel the spirit giving you uh, faith in it a belief in it uh, a confidence in it if you take the word of god and god inside he will work together with you for these words to become a reality it, it'll be almost as though jesus himself is speaking the words to you believe that the life and healing and the power of god are contained in these words now 
as you speak the words, as you meditate the words, as you think about the words, as you see Jesus speaking these words to you, you can start expecting your healing to be manifest. Now you say, well, I don't feel anything. Faith has very little to do with feelings, thank goodness. So you may feel absolutely nothing. You might not feel that anything is happening, but if you focus on his word, his word is spirit and it's life. Don't be put off by the fact you don't feel anything. Now you say, well, I was expecting to be healed miraculously, instantaneously. Well, let me assure you, that's rare. That's rare. It, it'll come as you meditate on his word. Don't give up. You've got nothing better to do. I'm not saying don't take the medicine. Take that as well. If that does the trick, praise the Lord. God wants you well. He doesn't want you sick. But listen, while you're taking the medicine, meditate on the word of God as well. The medicine might not work. But the word of God, you could be assured it will work. Because Jesus has already accomplished your healing through what he did on the cross. That healing... The healing is available to you now. You can receive now. If his words are life and health, you can take these words now and receive the life and health they contain now. That's all. Simply take it into yourself. There's a few scriptures I've just suggested there in your notes where you can personalize them. Here's just a few. I am the Lord who heals you, Philip. By my stripes, you're healed, Philip. Peace I leave you, Philip. My peace I give you. I forgive all of your sins and I heal all of your diseases, Philip. I sent forth my word and I healed you, Philip. You took up, uh, I took up your infirmities, and I carried your diseases, Philip. When you pray in this way, when you come before God with his word, speaking his word, allowing the truth of his word to affect you on the inside, it will change. It'll change the situation in your life. If there is sin in your life that you, you know about, Confess it. Turn away from it. Have nothing to do with it. Acknowledge you don't want to be bound by anything anymore. And of course, if you're holding unforgiveness in your heart towards anyone, you'll have to deal with that. Just forgive all. Jesus said, listen, if you don't forgive, it's very hard for me to come and minister my mercy and grace to you. So walk in forgiveness. Walk free of the sin. Remove it from your life and meditate then on the word of God a word that is powerful it is life and spirit and Christ himself God bless you you've been listening to the Arise Bible Academy podcast we hope you enjoyed today's teaching and please come back next week for our third lesson in the healing module if you would like to partner with Arise Ministry, you can do so by going onto our website and making a secure online donation. You can also follow us on social media at Arise Ministry UK. 
Arise Ministry, a living legacy.